0: Hi, everyone. This is uh, the Dot Matrix at the thedotmatrix.com. I'm Justin. And I'm Sean. And we have a special guest. That's you. Hi, everyone.
1: My name is Michelle.
0: <laughs> and awesome. here we are with a special guest, episode 67. Um we had a special now was Karen on our special guest last week? Yep. Or last week. <laughs> <laughs> that was, that was uh, a long week. Uh September <laughs> sometimes. Yep. Uh so two weeks, two episodes in a row we have a special guest and uh it's a it's kind of a celebratory podcast because it's episode 67. It's 10 years of the dot matrix. Yep.
2: December 07 was our first one crazy i was thinking of digging it up and posting a little snippets for for during this some at some point but uh but
0: yeah so here we are and who better to have as our second guest than michelle my uh partner in crime however you however you define yourself Michelle in this world (laughs) sorry all the way from chicago
2: no less right
1: yes joining you all from down south uh class of a in chicago
0: yeah so Lots not so, so not even like last episode we had karen physically in here yeah and uh karen do you ever post a picture of that uh, when we posted the the podcast i can't remember no i don't think i i did did we take one i think we did <laughs> <laughs> and now we have my cracked screen iphone uh rubber band to a microphone so we can have Michelle on video Skype and then uh, I haul all intentions of having a Bluetooth speaker give better sound, which didn't work. And now we have the iPhone speakers right up against the microphone, the snowball microphone. So it's a yeah. it's a pretty pretty ingenious setup to have someone who is two hours away. Uh, two time zones away, and in Chicago as our guests. So we've we've upped our we've upped our game quite a lot.
2: I thought a, that was such a good idea to do this for our tenth anniversary, and and uh, we have a lot uh, up ahead to discuss. <laughs>
0: yes, <laughs> and no. I mean, uh, having a you know, uh, U.S. based guest, we get. Uh, uh, as we were talking about this and Michelle's like, yeah, let's do this. Uh, voice right from the front lines to tell absolutely. us how it's, what's really going on. <laughs> this is exciting. Yeah. I, uh, I was
2: really, uh, into the video that you posted, Michelle, at the last rally you were at. And, mm. uh, I believe that was the, t- against the tax reform bill, right? Yes, it was. Yeah. That was last week. And, um, yeah, we, we took to the streets in Chicago. Um, and other cities as well, from the East Coast to the West Coast, um, coming out to
1: um, show our opposition to this um, terrible uh, tax bill, or tax reform, I'm doing air quotes, because um, <laughs> it's, it's essentially a, 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 just a huge giveaway to um, the already ultra-rich in our society. So um, it, it's quite uh, ruthless and brutal um, yeah. if you... Uh, Kind of think about like what they're actually trying trying to do so it's like we do, you know trickle down economics has come back again, <laughs>
2: uh, again.
1: I, I, in many ways that's what they're trying to argue so in yeah. a
2: nutshell reused and reused tactic uh that everyone globally pretty much is agreeing economist or not that uh or you know people on the ground who experience that it doesn't and uh they keep using
1: right. it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's quite remarkable, actually, um, when you think about um, just the disconnect between the narrative that we're told about, like, what this tax reform bill will do and, like, actual people's lived experiences, mm-hmm. right? And, like, it's just, there's just such um, mismatch, you know? Um, and that's something that I think about, like, in the context here of how, you know, how do you, how do you um educate people as to like what this actually will do you know like and i um a big part of what their um their narrative is is you know if you cut um corporate taxes that that will be better for the economy that will create jobs right that's kind of a whole like in a nutshell and, and justin you probably know much better than me because you studied finance um
0: i took two so, classes <laughs> almost 20 years ago <laughs>
1: Hold on one second. There's someone knocking at my door. I'm
0: sorry. One second. <laughs> no problem. We'll take it from here. <laughs> well, I, was, I was thinking we we need uh, uh, we need when we get Michelle back. We'll we'll take a pause and actually have our uh, uh oh Michelle is already back. Hi. We're seeing. That was, our... Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> uh, well, I thought we is a it was a nice uh, natural pause because I was thinking. Uh, before we get dive more into trickle down economics and the awfulness of it and how it's actually so uh, erroneous even to begin with, to even call it an economic theory. Uh, before I get into that, we should you should take a few seconds or a few moments, Michelle, because otherwise people don't know who who are you. <laughs> Just for all the all the listeners out <laughs> yeah. there, why why do we want to be? Why are the three of us talking, and why what what motivates you and what drives you to be like? You know, yeah. just a little bit of a bio thought might be helpful to for the you know maybe the five listeners who who <laughs> listen regularly but doesn't know either one of us or all, none, none of the three of us. So yeah, yeah. Thanks. Um. Okay. So uh. Well, the, the listeners don't know. Uh. I am your partner. <laughs> so i feel like that's one of the reasons why. Um, that's that's your only identity, right? That's, that's it. That's it. <laughs> Uh, yes. Sorry, that is um, <laughs> given uh, today's political climate of or social climate alone. I mean, things that is as a
1: woman, what what you know, what can I expect? <laughs> um, <laughs> no, no worries. Um, uh, so I am, in addition to being your partner, um, I, I guess how I would define myself as, uh, I'm an educator, uh, I'm a teacher, um, currently I'm teaching at the college level at uh, two community colleges, so I'm doing the adjunct thing, nice. um, while I uh, finish up my dissertation. So I'm doing a dissertation in um, the field of curriculum studies, um, but looking at uh Pedagogy, not from, not like focusing so much on like in class instruction, but sort of like uh, the pedagogy of social change. So how how people um, how we can learn uh, and teach ourselves uh, uh, to be differently than than currently within this um, capitalist um, sort of economic order. Um, yeah. And so I also, with that, I'm also very involved in um social movement work here in Chicago. Um, um I guess sort of I would su- I would kind of say I do education justice work uh as well as um political work um as a member of a of a, a, a radical revolutionary political party. Um we try to um just uh, study together as well as um uh, mobilize on the streets. Um on on all sorts of of issues, um, yeah, and and work towards creating
0: a more just and equitable society. So, that's me. <laughs> awesome. Now let's get back to trickle down economics. <laughs> 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 awesome. Thanks for that. Yeah. Well, you know it's so interesting, like the whole uh, economic, like what I what. I, I well M- M- Michelle and I talk every day and you, you and actually well, Sean and I pretty much talk <laughs> almost every day too in some way. But to me I, I and I feel like it's repetitive, but I don't think we've said it in the in the context of a podcast. But like the whole notion that, you know, if you give, you know, tax breaks and more money in your pocket to companies and people who are at the the who run companies, basically the top one yeah. percent, that the theory is that uh, eventually it will trickle down to more jobs for everyone because they will have flush with cash and you know and and they'll spend more money, you know, and you and, and create jobs and so forth. And a friend of mine has often said that like the whole storyline that businesses are there to create jobs is such a fallacy, like corporations and businesses aren't there to create jobs they're there to make money by selling you a product or service that they Mm -hmm. think that they need to convince you that you want yeah Uh, creating jobs is always a cost it's never it's never one of their reasons for being yeah you know unless you're uh, well unless you are a employment (laughs) employment placement service but then you're not creating the job you're trying to match make the jobs and that's very different as well but anyways and i just keep thinking like like and you see all these stories where you know there's like what is it that business biz- uh, there's that business forum that I forget Wall Street Journal or whatever was hosting a few yes. days ago, yes. and, the, and the guys like so who's gonna who's yes. gonna like uh, you know take t- take these tax savings and, uh, and and create new jobs and like no one. Raised I think one, one guy. guy. Yeah, and they're like, uh, come on, people! Like you're supposed to like put your hand oh. up and like. They can't even get their act together, uh, but they don't really have to because you have the you have the megaphone Trumpy who just keeps saying, "Oh, it's bad for my my counties hate me right now" or whatever. And you're like, and just because you say that out loud doesn't mean it's true. Right. But right. like to me, like the, if you think about the how of tax reform, like sure you can have that theory that you're going to give companies and uh, well, I don't. I don't see how you give people who run companies like, like giving personal tax cuts to the 1% or effective tax cuts to the 1% of actual human people. Like that makes no sense because just because I'm wealthy, doesn't mean I'm going to translate that wealth to my company. Like that makes no sense. So put that aside. Uh, But if you're going to give tax rates to companies, like you don't give it until after they um, have created those jobs. Like, you know, sure. You know, if you need the incentive to create jobs, and we're going to give you that tax break, that tax break doesn't come into effect until those actual jobs have been created and people are in it. Mm. And then you continue to report on it that those jobs continue to exist year in, year out. You know, like, yeah, like yeah. why would you... Give them the money up front. Yeah. <laughs>
2: yeah. Here, here's a bunch of money. Create some jobs. They're like, oh, thanks for the money, but I won't do that second part. <laughs> <laughs> right? right? Like, yeah, that's
1: exactly what it what it is. You're absolutely right. And, and yeah, just to add on to what you're saying, Justin, like I mean they're not really even hiding it like um they're they're uh you know they're going like the majority like what that money is so it's essentially almost a 50% when you think about it because right now it's in theory at 35% but but I mean there's also a ton of studies that have been done that corporations actually don't pay that 35% tax oh yeah, yeah so sure
0: people,
1: right so now they the plan is to go from 35 to either 20 or 22 and I think they're still kind of working.
0: mutual fund holders or mm-hmm. pension holders, mm-hmm. you know, we will benefit from the stock market going up. And then I was listening to, I think it was by any means necessary, the podcast, mm-hmm. there's the, this the economist who was, who Eugene Perrier was talking to. And he was sort of saying, uh-huh. if you actually look at what is the makeup of the, inv- of investors of mutual funds, yeah. it, it's still like the majority is still that 1%. I mean, yes, we all have like, you know, point zero 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 one percent stake in a company because of m- the mutual fund holdings that we have, because we're either on the teacher's pension or we're on some other, you know, mutual fund that we have just from investing our own money. Like, but it's 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 nowhere we're gonna like have a boon of of our investments and we're gonna earn that much money compared to like the still the one percent who owns the majority of those shares, anyways, right? Like it actually right. is a, it's another fallacy when you look at yeah, you actually pull the numbers. I, I right. haven't heard that before.
2: It's funny too yeah. when you mention one percent, but what about? even the top 10%. I mean 1%. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> it it it's you know in the estate tax and you know like there's they they're doing everything they can it seems based on what we've been reading that they're trying to make it just easier for the most well off and it's just so transparent that it's mm. it's it uh, it kind of boggles the mind you know because we you know we live in this country that we're seeing our own uh economic divide uh between the wealthy and the poor so to speak and you know there's always talk about the middle class and so on but it's rare when you know people are actually talking about doing things for the poor you know when trudeau talked about his uh Uh, the the, um, national housing plan that they just came up with. And they haven't had one of those in about 25 years nationally. And he starts talking about the poor. You know, some pundits were like, wow, he actually talked about the poor. Because it's kind of a no-go zone that if you're trying to uh, reach people across the
0: country, you you go for the middle class. You know what I mean? Um, So, yeah. You know, there's an interesting... um, I was listening to, I think, one of the last couple of On the Medias, which is another mm. podcast I listen to all the time, and I've gotten Michelle into it, too. I like it, uh, yeah. Uh, they were doing yeah. something all about... There's a segment all about taxation, mm-hmm. and 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 I love it because they always go... They, they study the media, but they, they, what they really do, they study coverage. they they, yes. they, they That's sure. what they do, right? Yeah. And they talked about taxation and all of this dialogue, and how it's not just, you know, lasted a while. It's not even the whole, like, you know last couple of years of dialogue about the 10 or 1 percent it, it goes way back to and actually you know uh you know the democrats have an equal in the states have an equal sh- share of blame on the where we are today and in, in how the discourse on taxation is just so bad and poisonous and, and right. so confusing is because um uh, when you talk about sort of the poor, mm-hmm. uh, a lot of people get angry who are, you know, Republican or conservative or, you know, you, you uh, the poor don't deserve tax cuts because they haven't contributed, right? So so that's one piece and where the programs that are there and designed to support the disenfranchised or the, the financially um, disenfranchised in society is... It, can be articulated like that because it's actually a very specific quite public program right right because you apply for it you get social security you get you know all these things mm-hmm. so it's quite a clear line where people can see the taxation and then and then people just shit on people like well you're not working hard enough on the forget for a moment yeah. how troubling that whole argument is (laughs) that you're supposed to like work hard and get you know the american dream piece uh so you park that for a second but they said what was happening is a lot of the 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 people forget all the benefits that taxation do for the middle class are much more hidden like it's not a program like welfare like social security where you get it by applying to it A lot of it comes in Whole many Smaller ways Or hidden ways And that was a lot Historical for the time A lot of times It was democratic You know uh, Legislators Who did it um, And all that sort of stuff And so um, People don't Equate um, Entitlement programs With the middle class But there's a whole bunch Of entitlement programs That do support The middle class That taxation really ne- Is needed to support Right And And the word entitlement because people don't think about middle classes getting entitlements because they only use it for things like social security. Mm. But entitlement in its founding or origin of the word and the use of it in taxation was, well, you're entitled to it because you've paid into it. So it's not as uh, if you're entitled to it because like, oh, I'm entitled to it and I, I, I everyone's <laughs> entitled to it. And that's a kind of a weird twisted current use of it. Yes, It's not yes. because everyone believes they are entitled to it. You're entitled to it because you've paid into it, and sure. all of us who pay taxes, whether it's Canada or the US, are entitled to the benefits of why taxation is there to begin with. Right, right. You know, like roads could be considered taxation and, and and entitlement, right? Uh, you know, um, you know all these different things, right? Like, anyways, so it was an interesting. I totally did not describe it well, but it's a really no. good on the media um, segment. You know? Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, and and just to add on to that, like, I think that just the biggest irony um, and the, the thing that really outrageous, you know, just is, I find so outrageous, is like the same, you know, rich 1% that are, you know, shaming, you know, people um, and stereotypes around poor people and entitlements. Like, are they not expecting the biggest entitlement? Like, are they not? Don't, do they not feel themselves to be the most entitled? I mean, what they're asking for and what they're getting, right? Like, there's just this... There's irony here that, like, they, they think that they're just entitled to, like, not have to pay taxes, because why, you know, like, like, or that they can just use all these things in society, right. whether it's roads, whether it's hospitals, whether, you know, and then just, like, not have to pay their fair share, you know, but, like, there's just been this narrative that's been created that, like, the people that aren't paying their fair share are the poor people, which, like, is, it's the exact opposite, right? Like, it's, it's this reverse... Upside down reality, kind of thing of what's actually happening, but yet the stories that we told about what's happening. That's what I was saying, like earlier about the disconnect, you know, with, with the way the economy is talked about. Like, yeah.
0: Wow. Yeah. Well, because well, when you're rich equals and wealthy equals, you're working hard enough. Basically, that's the story, oh, right? Like, yeah. That's the equi- That's the that's the objective measure of effort is how much money you have.
2: Well, it's funny because I always think of that quote, and I think I've brought this quote up before on one of our podcasts, but I think Margaret Thatcher's, one of her favorite uh, famous sayings or infamous sayings is, the problem with socialism is, it it sounds good, but you're spending everyone else's money. (laughs) (laughs) And it's, (laughs) but it's remarkable how many people though in our political climate and environment like uh, north and south of our border is... How many of them are just pure Thatcherites? You know, like they mm. they have pictures of Thatcher on their desk. You know what I mean? Like yeah. they still revere I her. thought ways you going to say things tattooed things. on their asses? Or something. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe tattooed on their asses. I'm sure Shear does, but <laughs> <laughs> the uh, conservative leader for us, Andrew Shear. Um, but yeah, so i uh, we'll see what happens here because I. I hear that they also threw in some sort of weird, uh, you know, curveball on some abortion thing or something in this
0: tax bill. Like, really? Yeah. Under well, the abortion thing, I heard drilling in Alaska. Yes. And I heard uh, the individual mandate in healthcare. The
2: the Obama th- yeah. yeah. So I think you know they use it's a it's a it's a a modern kind of trick, or maybe they've been doing it for years, but they almost take. What's supposed to be a very kind of specific but large bill, and then they turn into these where they call the omnibus
0: bills. Omnibus bills is what it's. I think it's more of a like a Canadian term for parliamentary okay. system. I think yeah. it what aren't they like like not amendments, but like what is it called in the states? They uh, it's it's a slightly different variation oh, it when okay. they they add uh uh um, riders or something. Yeah. yeah, like like
2: earmarks or earmarks. Something. Yeah, yeah, something like, yeah. yeah. But I, I just found that really surprising, but not because it's, you know, they didn't even, I heard they didn't even read the full 500 pages or like even the people that are voting on it, right? Or maybe you know more about that.
1: Yeah. I, I mean, that's, uh, no, I, I think that's actually, that's that's what I heard as well. So you're right. Like, um, what I heard is, you know, I mean, and, and on Twitter, like you can see pictures um, and I know like uh, Elizabeth Warren um, put out a, uh, like a Facebook video of, like, how, um, they got the, 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 the bill, which was, like, you know, over 500 pages, um, things crossed out and, like, written by hand in the margins, and, like, (laughs) I, I mean, and then just, like, having to vote on it in, like, an hour, you know? I mean, just, like, really kind of ramming it, trying to ram, ram it through, and, um, you know, yeah, and, and, and they're trying to sneak all these things, um, in there. I I didn't hear about the abortion piece, um, but, I mean, I, I, like you were saying, like, I'm not surprised, I mean, um, there's just, um, I'm not surprised that they're, they're, um, putting in anti-woman legislation, um, because that's kind of who they are, (laughs) you know, like, the vice president is, I I mean, and the president himself is a sexual predator, and, you know, it's just, they're, they're, um, I I think just in general, fundamentally opposed to, to the rights of, of women, and, um,
2: It's interesting you mention Vice President Pence because, you know, we've all heard that thing where, you know, this just kind of actually just sounds like gossip where they say, oh, well, he won't have dinner with a woman without his (laughs) wife present. (laughs) It sounds very funny and it's good for the comics, you know, on nightly TV to talk about. But I think it was Samantha Bee or someone, one of those people said, well, actually, that that actually limits the power of some of his female staff. Brilliant. Because they there's actually parts of their job where they might be at, say, some sort of meal or with a meeting or something, and, and you know, it's like, that actually limits what some of right. his female staff can do, is because he doesn't have his wife there,
0: you know? Yeah. <laughs> or just how many meals does <laughs> Mrs. Pence have to eat? <laughs>
1: <laughs> yes. There was a funny, kind of, on, on that kind of funny note, and, and, to light it up a little bit like there was um I didn't read the whole thing but I saw it tweeted in The Onion wrote an article about like um Pence had to uh call and ask for someone to come eat with him because um there was like and then there was a bottle of like Mrs. Butterworth syrup because <laughs> he couldn't be like you know like without a you know without a, a woman um uh, not his wife and so like if you're right like it is definitely like the, the butt of like all these jokes yeah um but there's like definitely much a much more like serious kind of undertone to it. Um, yeah, absolutely, and I think that's a really good point that it, that it limits women's uh, power, um, and 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 that in addition to so many other things. Um, and I, I guess you know what I also think about um, you know as we've been been talking about the tax bill and the um, and and the Republican and party and what they're trying to do. Um, and I. I I'm assuming we're going to get to this at some point in the podcast. Um, yeah. Just my, our like my overall uh, disappointment in the Democrats, like like just the fact that the Democrats do not know how to be in opposition. It's sure. just it's pathetic, <laughs> quite frankly. Um, yes. And and so that's what is also really um, you know frustrating is you have this uh, these people. Um, and the president, you know, the president, the vice president, people that are, you know, trying to, whether it's a tax bill, uh, all of the these, these terrible policies that they're passing, um, and the Democrats just can't be in opposition to that. Um, you know, there was uh, was it two days ago that they signed like a two-week extension because they were going there was going to be a government shutdown. Right. Um, and and then you know Nancy Pelosi, you know, went to go speak with Trump. I. I think, I'm not sure if it was Pelosi and Schumer or just uh, Nancy Pelosi, uh, but then came out and like, just, you know, made this vague statement of like, we talked, we didn't agree on anything, but like, you know, we're, we want to continue the dialogue, right? And it's just like, like what we, I think, Mm -hmm. like we don't need to continue the dialogue. You actually need to be in opposition. And so for me, and I think a lot of people agree that if the Democrats said, you know what, like we cannot, this tax bill is terrible. Um, and we yeah. can't agree to any of this, yeah. um, and allow this shutdown to happen. Like, I think people would see that as like, whoa, wow, they're actually collectively doing something sure. with a little bit of a backbone to like, to be in opposition, right? To prevent yeah. this thing from being, uh, ran through. Um, and they just can't do that. I think part of it is because fundamentally they're also the party billionaires, um, and so there are many people on their donor base that also would benefit from this tax
0: bill, right? And wow.
1: so yeah. um, the Democrats are speaking out of both sides of their mouth, right? They they say they want to be in resistance and opposition, but they but they're not, and they don't, um, and they don't know how to be that. So there's that other component as
0: well of like what's what's going on. <laughs> that, yeah, I I feel there's two things. I mean, one thing is right is that you know pe- people who don't attention or who haven't paid attention i don't want to say don't in a judgment kind of way uh you know forget that the democrats aren't necessarily the party of the disenfranchised or the the pluralist uh pluralistic party they're actually just the nicer billionaires you know what i mean yep. like you know, you know? Yep. <laughs> yeah.
2: the ones with an
0: actual a bit of yeah. a heart yeah. yeah they 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 you know like but but that's about it right and and so i think that's I think that point is really true, uh, as I've started to pay more attention. Uh, the other piece of it is I think, you know, the Democrats, particularly this instance about like not letting, like just letting it, uh, the, the debt ceiling go for another two weeks and not doing the shutdown, try to get something before Christmas, you mm-hmm. know, that whole notion about not being, uh, a party of opposition. Like, I, I think it's to me, I, I it's Democrats, but I think it's both <laughs> parties uh, because I think if it was the things were in reverse, I'm sure. Like, well, actually, no. the The Republicans don't give a shit. At least the Tea Party people don't, and they'll just shut down government if they want to. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Uh, but Democrats aren't. There's not a a strong faction, a vocal faction of the Democratic Party that is that can really tap into that oppositional uh, vigor, mainly because they're still trying uh-huh. to understand how to operate. Uh, are they still using current paradigms or old paradigms or new paradigms? Because everything is different. Everything is asked backwards right now. And, and I think normal political convention would be like, oh, well, don't shut down the government. You will, uh, you'll pay for it in the polls or the next election because, you know, all that sort of stuff. I mean, that's the, yeah. that's what, and I think no one really knows what, is, what holds true still in political convention and what doesn't. And I think the mm-hmm. Democrats, like a lot of big institutions, are risk-averse. So they don't right. want to take a yeah. chance. They don't want to be labeled as shutting down the government if people don't get their social securities check
3: right. because yeah. government
0: is shut down. Do they want to blame my Democratic colleague in the House who's up for reelection in twenty eighteen right. or yes. or Doug Jones in Alabama next week? You know if the you know uh, like like everything is you know, and you're still working in old paradigms and no one knows whether or not old paradigms still work or not, right? So I think right. there's a there's a little paralysis but people just don't, don't know what the new world order is. That's a good point. I think it's another I, thing that might be driving this.
2: Yeah, I, I, I think it, you know, they, they could do with one. I, I hate to say, I hate to bring any financial hardship on, you know, any civil employees or whatever, but you know, the last time there was a full shutdown, I think was when Newt Gingrich headed that in the mid nineties and they shut down, um well, the whole government, I think, for a, a period of time there.
0: Well what well, didn't didn't Ted Cruz do it? Or or you know, the Tea Party do it like they, a, a short period of time? Like was it like I think Or they were really close and it never actually were, shut down, I can't remember. I
2: think I think they're really close. Like like literally they went past the deadline, but they still Went you know till They're two okay. in the morning or five in the morning or something and and avoided any serious ramifications. But you know it's always the Republicans who always have the guts to you know actually yeah. go that extreme. And it's like Bill Maher keeps saying you know and whether you like Bill Maher or not, I I tend to watch his programming. But he he's always talking about you know he's he is on the left, but he's always talking about how liberals and others and and you know the Democrats are are exactly what you're saying, Michelle. Like really spineless uh they should be fighting fire with fire if not going lower sometimes you know when it counts because it's otherwise you know when you're facing such a monster and and his cronies in power like it's going to take some real real strength to actually uh go towards change and and i don't know maybe they're just saving all of their um their efforts for the midterm elections i have no idea but uh it's it you're right they, they they've really got to get creative and think of other ways that they can instead of just stamping their feet but saying okay well at least they won't blame us <laughs> yeah. you know what I yeah. mean right. uh, oh yeah absolutely you know and I, keep, I think you know and I think yeah sorry go ahead go ahead oh no I was gonna add that I think you know uh you know Bernie he he's still out there talking about this and that and and you know, as Elizabeth Warren is, and others, and now Franken until like the other day, but um, and we'll get to that later. Uh, but I'm like, okay, guys, well, who who is twenty twenty? I mean, who are we even talking about here? It's in less than three years. Like, we gotta, you guys gotta get cracking, or are they focusing on the midterm elections first and then then focus on who? Because because if they
0: don't start showing some seriousness, I, I just Bell assume it's again. gonna be like Mark Cuban yeah. or Ryan Seacrest. 2020 Right. That, that's that's basically what happens. Right. That's, that's, yeah. that's how it's gonna go. <laughs> Sorry, Michelle. What were you gonna say?
1: Um. Well, as, as you were saying, like, um, I think that a couple of things. Like, I think they are gearing up towards the twenty eighteen elections. But you know, I mean, there's a reason why I think people say like, you know, the Democratic Party is the graveyard of all social movements. Um, because they will just take that energy <laughs> from the streets. Yeah. Right. From actual movements of people, um, and then just channel it to, to 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 cut it off, and just channel or channel it into um, like the electoral uh, realm. Um, um, which I think then that gets to bigger questions around. Well, actually, like that's part of the problem as well, right? Like our entire just like, like the, the problem is systemic. Um, yeah. And so. Like, I I, so I think they are doing that. They're they're focusing on 2018, um, but they have no, like, they're not, like, Justin, you were saying, like, they're not the party of, like, the people. Like, they're not reaching out to um, actual people and movements. They're, um, they they, they are, I mean, Nancy Pelosi, even, just flat outside it, right? Like we're capitalists, you know. Like so, so those are the interests that they represent. And so you have a groundswell agreement and agreement of and of people that are satisfied with our current economic system. But then you have a party that supposedly is supposed to represent the people, um, and basically says, "Well, yeah, but you know, we're just not going to go there. That's off limits," of you know. Right. So forcing people into the 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 status quo and people don't want that, and so um, I think that's why you see like you saw very low voter turnout. Um, And then, and there is, I think, though within the Democratic Party, I should say, I should back up a bit and say I do think though that there are, um, it's not unified, right? Like you do have the more progressive wing, the Bernie people, um, that I think is a big part of the party, and. the way what the DNC did, and and what people suspected all along of the Clinton, uh, the Clintonites, uh, and then now what we know to be confirmed via uh, like Donna Brazile's new book, her revelations, you know, her the, her book that came yeah. out, yeah. Um, as well as Q-Link's, <laughs> the emails, all of that, right? Like, I mean, no one really had to, but, like, people knew it, right? Yeah. But it's like here we actually have evidence that that, that this happened, um, and so I think as long as the Democratic Party, Democratic Party Continues to push out the, the the more progressive people that I think are that were the Bernie crowd. Um, they're just they're not they're not going to reach people, right? Like they're just there's this
2: whole big part of what could be their base that they're just yeah flying past.
1: You no, know? yeah, yeah, totally avoiding. And then wondering why they're not winning. I mean, like Hillary Clinton was, like Donald Trump is is was the most. I mean, both of them, I think, historically are probably. Like They were, like, the two most unpopular candidates, you know? And just, like, um, Hillary Clinton, I think, you know, and and I'm not the first one to say this, you know, but, like, she was basically running on, like, Obama's third term, right? That was kind of her political platform. And then even Democrats, like, during, you know, some of their campaign slogans were, like, have you seen their guy, you know? It's, like, really? Like, is this what it, like, you offer no vision to people that are experiencing real hardship, you know? Like and so your thing is well at least we're not as bad as this guy so like what that means I should vote for you you know and I think people finally got to a point where they're like no you don't you as a Democratic Party don't deserve my vote so I think that's a big part of what happened.
2: I I think that's a huge huge part of it and and a really hotly debated uh, point actually uh, that was a, actually a really good segue because I know that we. Um, you know, Hillary herself has been making the rounds since she wrote her book. And, you know, I'm I've always been hot and cold back and forth on her. I think she, you know, uh, uh she she was one of the most kind of hawkish of the Democrats, for sure. She uh, apparently, like you said, she was uh, uh definitely thinking that we'd end up uh they rather end up. You guys, <laughs> your country attacking Iran uh ultimately, um you know, she tried a Russia reset button. they actually had the button where they tried the reset about ten years ago, oh yes, yeah. around the time we started this podcast I That's think right. and uh that obviously you know they they well Russia they don't take anybody seriously they they just laugh they they play everybody, which we gotta f- they the West has to figure out a way on that too, but you know, I think what and you may disagree, Michelle. I mean, I'd be interested to get your take on this and, and, and Justin's as well. It's like when I see her interviewed, even when Matt Lauer, who a lot of people are coming down on him for his treatment against her rather than when he interviewed Trump uh, right after her during uh, the election campaign, um, I, I, I the the difference between how she and Trump answered questions was so stark, so... Uh I I mean it it's it's hard to put into words. She all of her answers, whether you liked her or not, or felt that she was gonna be a good president or not, all of her answers were so much more s- substantive. Uh with w- whether you agreed or not, whether she what she wanted to go with things, where what direction. And and it, it's when you look back now, it's it's breathtaking. Like even Trevor Noah, I saw her uh being <laughs> interviewed by him. Uh, on her book tour on the the Daily Show recently, and any question that he asked of her, like the answers were there, like she had answers, she had fully formulated sentences, no made up words, um, and 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 she's like, you know, this is what we would have done, and it could have been all bullshit, but you know, to me it was enough of like, okay, well, if I was an American and I had to vote in this election, would I want to vote for someone who can actually form a sentence and come up with a with, with an actual answer to a question um, w- without going into a, a number of talking points? I mean, she may have done that as well, but, um, or would I pick the guy that is just like, I don't give a shit what you think. I'm going to make fun of you for thinking differently. I'm going to mock you openly. And um, we're just going to do what we want. Like, I think it was, even though they were, both you know, probably representing billionaires and things, it seemed like the the choice uh, uh as much as the WikiLeaks thing bothered me, the email thing bothered me uh it 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 seemed that there was still an option there to go with something that you know could have provided some way forward for the American people, maybe maybe extremely limited, I don't know, but you. <laughs> uh, I am torn on it like I say. Like Bernie would have been way better, of course.
0: Yeah. Well, it's interesting. Uh, I think about Bernie Sanders, ex- the 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 experience that we all witnessed by Bernie Sanders run was that it isn't just that Bernie Sanders' fan, uh uh supporters uh is the po- uh, you know, is the could be the base of the Dem- like it's clear he was running for the Democratic ticket and like he was filling stadiums. That is the new base. The of the Democratic Party, it's just the establishment does not want to recognize it, right? And so there's a you know if the if the establishment within Democratic could just admit that wow we've actually because of no work from ourselves got this base of people who will at Mm. least identify Democratic because with that kind of message, like they should just say that is our base, like there's no question about it. But there's still for some reason question. So I just want to say that good point, Uh, good point, second point. I think what you're, uh, what you're saying is, it 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 was really tough because they're both like they're both wildly unpopular, but both wildly unpopular for different reasons, mm-hmm. right? Like, and that's that was the problem why you, of having only two candidates. Like, I keep thinking, wow, you threw in Thomas Mulcair, he'd beat them both, and yeah. he was a low low bar as a campaigner. Right? <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh, he and his sweaters. Anyways, um, so. Um, like, I think, you know, I think what you're saying is, I think is pretty accurate that, you know, if you compare Trump and Clinton, Clinton was probably one of the most well-prepared people for this job with the, you know, the, the history of, and whether or not people agree that a history in politics is actually useful or not, which is one of the arguments. Like, you know, she was, uh, that one of the, of the two candidates, the most, uh, Prepared for that role, mm-hmm. and then everyone hated her for 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 the 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 actual thought that she had the, the her positions and so forth. Right, so right. so well, whether or not well informed or uh or, or fully informed, at least for herself, people just disagree with her and hate like like right. like you know you know she was a war hawk, she was all these different things that people disagree with, and those are all valid things. So people hated for her. For the content that she had right, right, but right. people hate Trump because of just the whole ball whole of wax. Other, yeah right <laughs> like, you know, like like why you hate three week old Chinese food you found in the trunk of your car because you forgot to put it in the fridge when you went for dinner, right, like you hate that and that smell. <laughs> Which is very different than hating. I just didn't like this book, or I read this, I saw this movie, and I didn't agree with the storyline, or you know, like you know. And so the hate was coming on uh, very strong, but for very different reasons. That's interesting. And so what would you hate? So what Trumps what to use Trump? Uh, But clearly, people rather take a chance on someone who they think is a buffoon, who you just maybe cross your fingers and they will be the the imperfect vessel as Steve Bannon kept saying to move my agenda forward because they actually didn't really care, but they knew if you had Clinton, you could not move her. Right. Like right. she would it just be try. Solid. Her, right. Yeah.
1: So, um, so yeah, you make I, that choice. Yeah. That's really interesting. I think a couple of things, I think like, you know, with what you've been saying, I, um, I'm reminded of the fact that like, you know, couple of things like one um she uh she still won the popular vote sure right so like
0: right yeah that's, that's a good point um, lot
1: right um but it's just because we have this anti-democratic thing called the electoral college um is like one of the reasons is why you know um, ultimately trump um, got the electoral votes even though he lost the popular vote the second time that it happened and so um i i that kind of always comes to mind as well um and then also the, the extreme low voter turnout so like when people say like oh like the will of the people like like this is what they like if people think that somehow like trump is what the american people want i'm always also reminded that like well we like there was very low like most people stayed home right and why was that why why did the democrats not turn off their base um, right. which i think gets to like what we were talking about, right? Their their sort of disregard for like a huge base uh the Bernie Sanders camp. Um I mean Hillary Clinton could have done so many things. She could have chosen Bernie Sanders for the running mate, for example. Sure. She I know. could have um, No brainer. I, I, I know. I like, like... That's the most obvious <laughs> Quite frankly, instead, she chose Tim Cain, who was, because her strategy had been, let's go for the conservative, let's try to get those Republicans to vote Democrat, right? Like, instead of, like, actually going with, like, the groundswell of, like, energy um, behind the, 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 the youth, behind the Bernie Sanders um, right. Right. phenomenon, right? So, like, in his, his campaign. Um, so, you know, you, you, and then you take... Um, the african-american vote for granted which she did um and then just also like not going to states like wisconsin like like that you just show that like you're just not engaged right like um and, and i think that in addition to that like um you know justin you and i talked about this not that long ago like um the role of like affect like so and I think that's a sort of under um, under kind of talked about aspect of the of the campaign. Like, so I think that people like Hillary Clinton, like, so the whole thing about the deplorables, right? Like, I think there's mm-hmm. a sort of within the liberal establishment, this sort of elitism. Yes. Um, that is really damaging and destructive. And so it was like, um, we're not going to acknowledge any of the hardships that you all are facing, the quote-unquote white working class, if you want to call it that, or but just in general, right? Like, like the the very disastrous ways that, you know, um, sort of the Midwest and other parts of the country, right, like, um, have suffered because of jobs, uh, you know, uh, the car industry, like, all those factory jobs that, like, people don't have anymore, Um, and just in general, right? Like, that we just haven't really recovered from the 2009... Um, crash, and so like people, like people's lives are not getting better. Um, mm-hmm. And I felt like in the in the in the Clinton campaign, it was like no, no, no. Like yes, they are. Like the, you, you know, sort of like like denying that very lived reality that people are experiencing. Still. Right, and so kind of exactly still right. So there was this lack of acknowledgement of it, and to that a sort of elitism that like you're stupid right you're you know deplorable right and so people I think also rejected that it was like you know everything is going fine we just need to make some of these little tweaks and like but the system still is working as it should kind of thing or other things are fine you know like like not like I'm saying not like I'm saying like not an acknowledgement of like the very real suffering that people trump and i think in a very sort of demagogic kind of way uh seized that opportunity capitalized on that and and spoke to people and and however disingenuous he was and is like acknowledged the very pain and suffering that people are going through and i think that for people like Like when if we're going through something, we just like one of the most important things is that we we want to make we want to feel that somebody else understands us, that they acknowledge what we're experiencing. And Bernie Sanders did that. Yeah, um, that's right. As well, right? And Hillary Clinton did not. And so, and this ties back to what you were saying earlier about um, like the more articulate, like who who answers questions better, who's more articulate. Well, obviously Clinton, right? Um, But I think that but people felt like no connection to her. And I know like in myself, if I'm going through like a hard problem or whatnot, like it's like, I just want someone to acknowledge, like they don't even have to have the answer. I, I just want to like understand first that, I just want to know that that person understands and acknowledges like my plight, what I'm going through. And I think that's kind of what that was. And, and I think just the liberal perspective in general, focuses, like, uh, too much on reason. And I'm not saying that people are not reasonable, but what I'm saying is that there's this whole other aspect to, like, us as human beings that, like, it's not... Our decisions are not purely based on who has the better argument or who is more articulate. Well, so anyway. I think that's a key understanding that they missed in the
0: campaign. And, and like, politics is less reason and more emotive, because... Hmm. uh, uh and, and it's like those, you know... The, Take one psychology course and you're, you you think you know it all, but they were the Maslow's <laughs> hierarchy of needs, right? Like like if you're in tears, you you someone can't reason you out of tears. People, You have to first deal with the emotion of tears or whatever before you can actually then hear what someone may or may not have to say, right? Like it's right. just a human yeah. thing, right? And so whether or not Trump actually is someone who who, who is their voice... The fact that his one of his big key slogans was, uh, you know, this, uh, I am your voice. He said that when he accepted mm-hmm. the nomination, right? Like, like that is a powerful phrase, and yeah. give and being uh, it being used by someone who as a big wooer as Donald J. Trumpy is, uh, you know, it's a powerful phrase, and that has yeah. more to do with politics than anything else, mm-hmm. and and people again forget politics and governing they're two separate things you need to understand in an authentic way the emotive parts of politics so that way and it needs to be grounded enough in substance so that way people can trust that you will move from politics to governing right and you had people one candidate who had strong governing credentials and the other candidate who had really strong emotive connector credentials Uh, And they were both horrible people, right? So, you know... (laughs) I
2: I think that's an interesting point. And I actually... I think that even maybe I missed that a bit because, you know, after watching President Obama showing a lot of emotion on things, I mean, he would actually speak about, you know, massacres where children, you know, like Sandy Hook, you know, and he'd actually wipe a tear. And how many times have you seen a president of the United States do that? You know? Yeah. And um, But then during the election campaign, I kept thinking... Well, Hillary's like, she's, she's showing so much more intelligence on the matters, you know, and again, not whether you agree or not, but just more in being informed. Um, Mm -hmm. She's more concise, more to the point. Uh, She's got a better argument on so many levels that Mm -hmm. I didn't realize that even Mm -hmm. while it was happening, that she, whether even she. Had the intention to or not, she couldn't really emote, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, in a way that people could latch onto, and right. and unfortunately, yeah. what ended up happening is a lot of the the media from all sides of the equation were all like, you know, she's a bit loud, shrill, and you know that laugh, and you know, I'm thinking, really, like, is this? uh men and women reporters were, were going on about that and they you know they keep showing flashbacks to that and it's and you know there was so many ways that she just even actually didn't have a chance you know that people were already looking out of the way even when she was telling you straight to your face like this is a way better plan than what trump's thinking people just didn't care because they couldn't they couldn't relate to her um but yeah i guess you know like like Su- Susan Sarandon says, she would have been extremely dangerous. Like I think it's hard to tell or say for sure. Uh, I I'm I'm willing to bet that yeah, she probably would have become you know even more hawkish than 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 say Obama. Um, she would have probably upped the drone war. She probably would have uh, wholeheartedly s- supported the Saudis. She probably would have signed on to this uh, acknowledging
0: Jerusalem is the capital of Israel. Segue. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I'm i, I mindful, like yeah. I'm looking at our time. I know yeah. we have to be somewhere. So that's I'm thinking we probably have fifteen minutes left. So it's a good chunk of time to delve into the Middle East.
2: <laughs> Unless or we could say that for another time. No no
0: we gotta get into this. Like let, let's let's preview it and then we'll just have to bring Michelle back again.
2: We absolutely <laughs> have
3: to
0: do that. So I I the, the, the topic of the Middle East is so interesting to me because I feel so novice uh, of it. And I know you have, you know, read so much more and paid much more, not paid attention, but like you, you've you been a little bit more, a uh, much stronger student of the topic than I have. So all I know is there was a shit storm <laughs> uh, when Trumpy, I'm trying not to use his real name, Trump. just Or like, Drump Drumpf, strumpf <laughs> or whatever, yeah. Yeah. Uh, like, you know, basically saying, which from my understanding is already, like, kind of policy in the United States that Jerusalem is the capital of Israel, but they they don't say it officially because of the negotiations that are going on. And right now, every six months, Trumpy has to write sign something that says they're going to keep the, 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 embassy. the embassy in Tel Aviv. So, like, to me, when I heard a little bit more of that, okay, it's not as dramatic... Like, he's not as... Like, he's not doing something stupid. I mean, he is doing something stupid, but but it's not like... It's uh, not
2: out of the question compared to previous administrations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: He's, he's not going... He's not going Sandra... Oh, Sandra. Sarah Palin rogue. He's just, right. like, just saying, fuck it. I'm just gonna not... I don't want to sign this anymore. I just do it. And, and whatever that stupidity is behind that. Like, it wasn't so... So rogue, like it is kind of been a quasi thing that's been going on for a while. That's all I know, but uh, and I know it's just, I mean, I, as a negotiator or, or someone who understands negotiation, I'm not a negotiator, mm. like uh, and and relationship builder because okay. negotiations are relationship building, uh, of these many sides, it, it has caused a shitstorm, right? So, uh, but what's your thoughts?
2: Um. My thought is, there's a few things that run in my mind. One is what they've, I think Israel should have a capital that they, I'll just say this at the outset, that they believe should be their capital. I mean, I think we all, all countries want to name the place that they feel is their capital. But the problem is, is that Israel was created and exists in no other similar way to most other countries on the planet. And there's so much behind how and why they came to be. And although I, I believe they have the right to exist as they are and have a capital, what the, the, the issue is, is that when you are uh, having a major, um, you know, government like the, the United States, or if there were other countries who were to do the same, you, you are essentially Ceasing all prospects of a a a, a, a fully fair negotiated peace process because of of all the people on the ground how they feel about that place obviously it means a lot to you know people keep saying christians jews and and Muslims, but it was such a bargaining chip that if you just have them or perhaps others in the world um that say, well, no, we're just recognizing reality. It is the capital, undivided. You are, in my, I don't know why we're feeding back here. I don't know if you can hear that, Michelle, sorry if you can, but um, I think that what you're saying to the people on the ground in in the region is that, well, no, I mean, we are essentially uh, actually doing a one, we're perpetuating what is actually a one-state solution, and there's no bargaining chips left for the Palestinians. And so whatever their future state's going to be, they're not going to have a capital. Um, they, they don't want the whole capital. They want the east part of the, of the old city. They want what's uh, more uh, attributed to their history, yet
0: Israel wants the whole thing. Which... Is there a reason why Israel wants the whole thing other than wanting the whole thing? Like, is there a, an actual, like, religious reason or historical reason why they want the whole thing and not just Western Jerusalem, which actually, from my understanding, physically holds a lot of religious significance?
2: Well, I think religious significance, number one, because they don't, I mean, you know, the, the hardliners on their on their end would consider just that whole area, including West Bank and Gaza, as the whole part of okay. uh their their holy land so why would they give you know this one section of the city to the palestinians because the western wall is basically right bordering it right um so that that's my take i think when you're unilaterally making that stance you are basically saying to uh you know uh, you know let alone the other arab neighbors whatever you're saying to the palestinians directly it's like no you're you're not getting a choice at even uh distinguishing what your future will be that that's my take so i don't know if you have any thoughts on that michelle
1: yeah yeah i think um you know i i've come to and i and i feel like i'm continue, continually learning more and more about this issue and reading and up about it um because we're not like taught it in school and i think in the media we're always given the perspective of the of the israelis yeah um and so you really have to like the, the voice of Palestinians is just always absent yeah. um, from from the perspective that we receive here in the US um, and I think also in Canada as well um and so you know I I I feel like I'm I'm learning so much about it and, and so from up until this point the way that I what I've been learning is like I guess things to that I think are really important is number one like understanding um, Israel and, and Zionism mm-hmm. is like a settler colonial project. Yeah. That is racist and like Israel is like an occupation, right? Sure. Like like a straight up like occupying force. Yeah. And so um like that I think is like it's never kind of like talked about that um in that way. And and the the, the Zionism like that project goes back like over a hundred years. Um and there's actually really distur- like interesting but disturbing uh connection between anti Semitism and Zionism. Okay. Um, which is uh I uh, Ben Nort and Max Blumenthal have a podcast. Um and they did an hour long segment um gosh several weeks ago now just kind of talking about these connections um with the Balfour Declaration. Um again this is all history that like I'm also learning and so I, I feel like I'm not as articulate as I would like to be right now, because I'm still like learning and, and understanding this. Um, but so you know, I, I think that like, and, and also in the, um, my perspective in, is informed by my students. So I, I have a lot of Palestinian students um, oh, wow. at one of the colleges that I teach, and and they talk to me very open and openly and honest about it. Um, they show me videos, mm-hmm. um, and they share their they write about their experiences um of the terror that like the the israeli defense force like like i mean it's an occupying army and um and and it's inherently racist and so i think that like what you were saying justin around like like do they want all of jerusalem like well you know i personally think that in particular like benjamin netanyahu and like the sort of design project like i think that they essentially want to eliminate palestinians oh yeah that they but right like, like they just they want the total so like and that's the thing is, like, how do you negotiate anything when one of the key players actually does, does oh, not yeah. even give the right to exist? Yeah. You know, like, and so, um, you know, um, the, the experience of the Palestinians, you know, my students, you know, telling me, and I think also because of the the is the often misrepresented in, in US media, like, somehow, like, if this is a conflict of religion and they just, you know all these different religions can't get along and my student when we were talking about it earlier this semester she's like that's wrong she's like it's about land it's about occupation it's about the fact that our land was stolen and there's an occupying force that is like is there right and yeah. that jews christians and muslims um like they get along um and there's like that's not the issue right um and so, then, kind of linking that back into Jerusalem, like how Jerusalem is a city, is a Muslim city. Um, it has a different name. It's Al-Quds, Al Quds.
2: Al Quds. Yeah.
1: Yeah, Al Quds, right? In um, and, and Arabic, um, and and history that's there, and then also just what it means, like for the three monotheist monotheistic religions in the world, right? Islam, Judaism, and Christianity. And so, to have one, like, said, one, like ownership of that.
2: Yeah. Um, exactly. Is
1: is yeah is, is very problematic and and I think that the fact like that so many countries and so many people are saying this is disastrous like, like this means there cannot be peace right? like you can't do this and then say that you genuinely want peace like you were just saying a few minutes ago Sean so that's in a nutshell kind of how I uh,
0: yeah can I ask I you about a- I mean, yes, it's about occupying land and and land that was stolen. But if I can ask a religious question, I don't know either of you know the answer to this, either from Sean being, you know, a student of this topic for many, many years, or Michelle having a Catholic upbringing. Uh, (laughs) What what I don't understand, and I've never understood this, because uh, on the religious side, like, why is, why are all evangelical Christians, why is the evangelical Christian perspective as being pro-Israel? Like, I don't understand that, because is it because they're anti-Islam, or is it, like, because I, 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 because Judaism and Christianity are different religions, so I don't get why Christians have held, uh, have taken one side, and why are, why isn't there a Christian group trying to also lay claim to jerusalem and have a christian state in that in that same area too like like what right what what and i i would fully admit i am the least religious person and religiously educated person uh probably ever and so i i just I, I just never understood well why is this such a like part of people say oh trump did this because he was he committed it to his base and he has a speech that people show all the time that he was in the evangelical Christian thing, but because so evangelical Christians are not Jewish, right? So I don't get it. I think, uh,
2: from <laughs> so what where's I, the tie? Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm not well versed on it, but what I, what I have seen and I've seen, uh, people talk about this is that for whatever reason, evangelical Christians and, uh, specifically have aligned themselves with the Zionist cause like the, wow. the, or just the, the Jewish
0: cause. When... Yeah, and why is that? <laughs> I, I, that's the part I'm not sure about. Because... because, sorry, if I bring in just really quickly, like, I think, well, okay, well, you know, the the biggest well-known persecution of Jewish people were the Nazis. was what, and, and, and Germany. Was German Nazis Christian? Were they doing all of that? I mean, I know, you know, there's a whole Aryan nation and the Master race Was that all... I wasn't sure if that was, I don't think, I'd never thought of it as being Christian based. It was just like crazy Hitler based, right? Like that That wasn't religious. And I thought maybe it's a lot of guilt from that. And now we're going to be, you know, but that's not a thing, I, I'm assuming.
2: Uh, you know what, <laughs> you know that's, what I mean? Like, yeah, it's a good question. I'm not sure, actually. Because we do know that other Christian factions are hugely anti Semitic. I mean, like they're, you know, the, uh, Unfortunately, Jews were persecuted against all over the world and still are, and by Christians and non Christians alike. So, I and the
0: KKK are they anti Jewish? Oh, I, I yeah, okay. I, I would say so. Then oh, yeah, you, definitely. Then, how do you yeah. say that they're they're anti Catholic? I think even. bad people on equal sides. How does Trump, someone like Trumpy, say there's bad people on equal sides, kind of quasi supporting the KKK and then being? The voice of evangelical Christians about pro Israel, like I don't like. See, there's a lot of confusion that <laughs> I don't get the religious side of yeah. things.
2: Well, I think. Uh, um, go question. ahead. Go ahead. No,
1: sorry, no. That's a good question around, like, like the point. So, to answer your initial question, I, I don't quite know. Um, I, yeah, that's an interesting alliance that I feel like I need to. I, I feel like there is an answer. I just haven't, like... I know, I was going to Google it, it before. To, like, <laughs> yeah, So like, there's a few books I have on my reading list that, like, specifically talk about this issue that, like, I, I just, yeah. you know, I have to get around to, and, and hopefully soon. Um, And so hopefully that will be eliminated, and then I can, you know, but that's... And, like And, and the, the... So that connection I don't quite understand, and then also what you were just saying about the Trump space and the evangelicals. That's also very, you know, I, I, like it, because it's not about, like, like he's just so anti- like, he's not what they claim that they stand for. I mean, yes. So true. true. How all of that is looked past, like, and that is a yeah. I'm sure people are doing studies on it. I, I mean, Sean, you have a bit, you have an understanding of it, but like that kind of boggles my mind as well. To be honest,
2: you know, I think there's. With this conflict and um, you know Jerusalem going to one specific state, even though they claim that they will let, you know the the, uh, the the powers that be over there will will let others continue, no matter where they're from or who they are to to worship freely, um, I I I think it is about land, because um, they consider you know West Bank Ju- Judea and Samaria, which are two biblical Areas that that some are like the far right leaning on 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 in, in their um, especially in, in their government, in their cabinet are are never planning to give up, and you know in Jerusalem smack dab in the middle of all that, and um, so I think that you know they as there's there's so much that goes into it, and I, I think unfortunately I think we're you know with Trump doing what he did and the fact that a lot of other presidents And apparently one of our former prime ministers, Joe Clark, was going to do that in 1979. Oh, yeah, I heard that. 1979, our prime minister, a conservative prime minister for one year before Trudeau got power back, the elder Trudeau, he was going to, he campaigned on moving the embassy to, our Canadian embassy to Jerusalem as well, which I had no idea about until recently. And he faced so much backlash, though, uh, that they, had the, and and for security reasons and a bunch of reasons that they they actually recanted and he he actually broke that election promise and never did it. And since then, you know, the more centrist or left-leaning parties that have been governing, it's pretty much centrist, um, have they haven't gone there. They've always been two-state solution, da-da-da-da-da. But it, I, I really do think it is about being an occupying power. Uh, Ariel Sharon, the previous, or a couple of previous uh, uh, Prime Minister, uh, President, uh, whatever their top guy is, um, in Israel, even admitted being an occupying power, and that's why they pulled out of Gaza in two thousand five because they there was no simple benefit for them to hold on to that little patch of land, and because they understood that it, it's it's a, 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 it's a Palestinian homeland, and and they also pulled out a couple of settlements in the West Bank around the same time that they weren't strategic for them and and it is all about strategy it's about the fact that they've increased settlements so much over the last 30 years that like Netanyahu refers to natural growth so often because you have to accommodate that like he, but but what people are realizing I think what John Kerry said in his last speech before the Obama's administration was gone is that you know Israel can neither be democratic or 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 um what did he say they, they like they can either be Jewish or democratic. Or or you know right. what I mean? It's like it it what they're finding is that because they, they have so many Palestinian um and Arab citizens there who live and work there now.
1: And well, basically second class citizens. Like it's a oh. it's a de facto, like straight up
2: apartheid state. Oh, hundred yeah. percent. And and you know, yeah. even me or you or anybody else actually saying such a thing is is would be looked at as anti-Semitic, which is couldn't be further from the truth. Yeah. It's just realizing oh, what's right. going on on the ground. So right. that is now so far in Jerusalem, even though they're occupying there and there's checkpoints there, they're, uh by by Trump saying no, nope, it belongs to the Israeli, full undivided. It it as much as you might want that for 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 Israel and and that makes sense cuz it, it goes back 3000 years for them and you'd want to honor something like that i i want any country to be able to feel that that's where their capital is but unfortunately there's so much tied to this and 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 i think the the only way that they can actually make that work is if they actually respected palestinian rights especially those who live and work in their country and if you're going to occupy, well, you got to stop the occupation first of all, and then actually let the people who live in the West Bank oh, that surround those settlements actually have rights of their own. And I think at only at that point would it even make sense to even start saying, "Oh, Jerusalem can be your capital." You know what I mean? That's 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 my take on it. <laughs> well, but I guess we're yeah, out of but, time. Yeah,
1: no, I- treatment of yeah just like I guess the last thing I'll just kind of add to it cause I know you do have to wrap up but like with the, the treatment of Palestinians, means and like again like that perspective that's not told like you know uh, my students this semester like you know conversations I mean one student who like she lived in a house I, like had no heat yeah right oh, yeah. no running water no running water the um, huge one you never know when you're going to get stopped by a checkpoint. Um, Israeli Defense Forces carrying, like, being armed and, like, carrying around, like, these, like, you know, semi-automatic, you know, like, like, these rifles that, like, yeah. just pointing at, like, just oh, yeah. straight up terrorizing the population. Yeah. Um, and that's, like, and that's just, like, the, that's an everyday experience. Um, mm-hmm. and so, with all of that, like, it's, it's absolutely, like, you know, everyone that sees that and understands that, like, to the streets. Um, you know, a few days ago as well, like not only in, in other countries, like in Jordan, for example, because there are a lot of Palestinian refugees that have gone to Jordan yeah. and the surrounding countries. You yeah. know, um, so all of the Middle East protests in Europe, here in the states, um, and, and in Canada, I saw in Vancouver there was there was a rally um, a couple nights ago. So this is like, yeah, yeah. like you know, he went ahead and made the decision, and like the entire. An and international community is like no this is wrong like do not do it you know yeah so um which it's a question like politically i i don't know politically like if you think about like why what political gain does he get from this i mean okay you satisfy like a few people who donated to his campaign but like i mean the entire world is against it so that's also something else i don't understand like like
2: it well yeah. the the israeli lobby and and in america is i mean they, uh, it's, yeah. it's 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 huge and i think politically it was smart for trump because he didn't really have to do much like yeah. justin said he, he just said oh yeah oh yeah there's so many you people say, okay. who who take who would take this side on this conflict of 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 you know recognizing this for for israel oh yeah absolutely i think this just solidified people just much more that already like other shit that he's doing believe it or not i i honestly think that um there's a lot of dovish people who who um you know want peace for all there jewish and palestinians alike but there's a huge lobby that says no it has to be this and undivided and so on and so on but well i think that was a, a really rollicking discussion <laughs> <laughs> and it was such a pleasure to have you uh on this podcast, our 10th anniversary edition. So we thank you very much.
1: Thank you for
0: inviting me. It was well, a lot of fun. I'll let you wrap it up since I started.
2: Okay, so, sure. Well, uh, you've been listening to The Dot Matrix. You can find us at the dot thedotmatrix.com and on iTunes. Uh, where else can you find us? Is that the main two? Well, my address is... I'm oh, just kidding. <laughs> 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 <It's> a, <laughs> we almost end a bad joke. We usually end up with a with a, yeah,
0: with a little bit of a bad joke too on every podcast. But <laughs> but yeah, typically iTunes and uh, the website, Facebook too. They can find us. On oh yeah, too. of course.
2: Yeah, we'll post on Facebook, and um, we'll definitely have Michelle back really soon. Probably on our next one, I'm sure. <laughs> uh, all right. So uh, so we'll take it here. So good night, Michelle. Thank you. And uh uh yeah we'll we'll be back again
3: in the year right? all right